Welcome to Modern Day Abigails, a women's outreach of Calvary Chapel Pearland. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So let's listen to God's Word, where everyday lives transform, and where we can become the women God created us to be. Marriage is not 50-50. Divorce is 50-50. Yeah. Marriage is both of you doing your job. It's 100-100. Yeah. And then some days, you know what? Some days somebody's going to only be at 40%, so you're going to need to be at 60%. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to help carry your partner some days because some days your spouse is not going to be ready. Now, sometimes you're going to have to pray for them and get them through it because they might be having a tough time. But at the same time, sometimes you're going to have to help carry your spouse for a little bit. And you know what? It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he'll carry you at some yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're like, well, he's never done that. Well, keep praying, honey. The Lord's not done yet. Until he calls him home, the Lord's not done yet. Right. I always tell people, Lord's not done yet. We're all at different stages. Exactly. And you might be ahead, and that's okay, too, because yeah. you will reap the benefits. Yeah. You know. I agree. You will. All right. So in this one, what we read... um, Talking about the banquet house and sustaining me, it's a really special secluded spot for them. And think about it, Jesus wants a secluded special spot for us too. He wants you to be alone with him. He wants to spend time with you. We have got to make time to be with Jesus. And I get it, we're busy, we have work, we have kids, we have pets, we have you know, all of that. But start making time, even if it's while you're in the shower. Some of my best moments with the Lord has been in the shower. Very humbling when you're naked and you're going before the Lord. Agreed. Um, I have talked to the Lord while I was grocery shopping because that was my only time in the car. Sometimes I don't turn on my radio. I I get so irritated with my new car because it automatically pops up whatever I was listening to last. And if I was listening to nothing, it still pops up something. And it's like, dear car, sometimes I don't want noise. I need to talk (laughs) to the Lord. I don't want you on. And it just, it's annoying because sometimes I have it on a book. So it's like real loud and then it plays music and you're like, oh. anyway, heart attack. So make time with the Lord. Find time. Even if you started out with a couple of minutes a day and then work your way up. Sometimes it is hard. You're like, I know what it is for me. I'm like, I've been at work all day long. You know, it's an hour to work. I'm there at for least, yeah, at for least you. an hour. I'm a, I'm, I work at least nine, nine and a half hour days. I'm driving home. It's lo- longer than an hour. So by the time I get home, I do want to spend time with my husband. I'm, we're still, we're always going to build up a relationship until our, the Lord calls us home. You know, that's, and so sometimes finding that few minutes to spend with the Lord is tough, but you have to do it and you have to make that time. Yep. And that's what they're showing here is that she's making time with him to be with him in a special secluded spot. And when she talks about a banner, it's a long strip of cloth bearing a slogan or design hung in a public place or carried in a demonstration or uh, procession. That was my dictionary. First John 419 says we love him because he first loved us. Remember, her banner was love. He's saying, I love you. You know what the biggest banner of love is? When Jesus hung on the cross. That was his banner of love for us. He was willing to be up there naked and taking all of our sin upon himself because of love. I can't think of a bigger banner that says, I love you, than Jesus on the cross. And ladies, we just have to keep telling ourselves, yes, Jesus does really love you. He wants a relationship with you. I know it may not feel it like that, but he really does. If there's nobody else in this world that you feel 
that's the one person. Who will always you love you. always count on that. There's always hope with Jesus. Always. And I'm going to read what he did to show you this banner he gave us. It's in Philippians 2, starting at 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He hung on the cross, and then the Lord still exalted him on high when he died because of what he had done for us. So um, Jesus is telling us um, how much he loves us. He'll give us a shade if we just stop running. He's, and in the, in the pictures of the scriptures, he is sustaining her and taking care of her. Jesus promised to take care of us in Hebrews 13, 5. We are the ones that leave him, but he waits for us. And, and he will see that in the chapters ahead. And, and here's a good question, ladies. Are you tired? Are, are you, you really tired? tired? Right. Because once you're truly just tired, you will stop running. Until then, you won't. Yeah. And take and just say, you know, Lord, you're going to have my life because I don't want it anymore. You take my life. Yeah. You control it. You tell me. And it's the most freeing thing ever. Yeah. It really is very freeing. I can't, I can't express in words what it was like that day that I could feel the presence of the Lord. felt like being in a warm bubble, having a conversation with him and telling him he can have my life. And him saying, okay, I'll take it. It's what he's been waiting. He waited yes. for you to say that. Yeah, he would have been waiting and it was time. So I'm asking you, ladies, is it time? Is it time for you to get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't like this life anymore. I want you to take it. Yeah. You know, and he's going to take you through it. And he might take you through some stuff you don't want to go through. Like you might have to ask for forgiveness. You might have to apologize. You might have to admit some type of wrongdoing that you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, once upon a time ago. Not I, might. There's a yes, 100% chance, chance you yes, will. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but the way the Lord works it out is different. I was thinking of the story where this woman, she was just, everything was going bad. She didn't have hardly any money. So she created a fire an accidental, in air quotes, fire with a candle in her trailer and got the insurance money. Well, later on in life, she got saved and she had a new home and everything, or I forgot how that worked out, but she felt so guilty. She called the insurance company and said, look, I'm, I'm so sorry. This is what I did. I got saved. I need to make restitution. What can I do? Which was amazing because she could have gone to jail. Absolutely. But the insurance policy is like, well, we've already done this, so I guess you can pay it back. So she started making payments every month to pay it back. And I think it was, I want to say it was around Christmas time. She went to make a payment. The guy's like, man, you've been doing it this long. Don't worry about it. You're good. Your debt is paid. That's very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, people, I mean, the Lord will work it out. I mean. I have this thing that I tell these ladies that I talk to, until you are desperate enough you will not turn to Jesus. You well, have, and that's true. I was you know? the same way. I kept trying to do it on my own steam, tra- yeah. trying to do it my own way. And, and you know, the enemy had convinced me, one, I didn't need to pray for myself. And then the Lord started teaching me how to pray. But the enemy also convinced me is the Lord has bigger issues than yours. Why even yeah. bother him? You're just a peon. Yeah. Well, well, well uh, he's got people to feed who are hungry. He's got people who are getting killed. Why are you important? 
you need to leave him alone. And that is exactly the opposite of what Jesus says. Jesus said, no, come to me. I don't care what's going on. Let's go. Yeah. You know, he doesn't care if you think you're, you're, he doesn't, it's not about this, what we think is small. He is big enough to be able to do a one-on-one with every single person on this earth. But until you are desperate enough, you are not going to be doing that one-on-one with them. And like I said, and if the enemy has convinced you that you're not good enough or you don't have a big enough problem to go to the Lord, Mm -hmm. tell him to shut up and turn around and go to the Lord and said, Lord, this is my problem. And maybe, maybe society doesn't say it's very big, but to me, it's very big. Yeah. I need you to handle this because I can't. And yeah. it's okay not to be able to handle it. Well, your big is not my big. Exactly. It's very different. But the enemy had convinced me that the Lord had bigger things yeah. to deal with. And that's when the, when the Lord had that conversation with me, he basically said, no, everybody's an ant that's squishable. Yeah. There was nobody that wasn't an ant that wasn't squishable. We're all ants that are squishable. Yeah. And, and that's the, when I said, you can have my life. Exactly. You know, and it just all depends on where you are at in, in, in that season. And there are some women who actually tell me, no, I'm not, I'm not desperate enough yet. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I've met some who are like, no, yeah. no, they'd rather, you know, yeah, they just stay in the abuse. That's right. I've, I've met several who are like, yeah, I have broken hearts, but. I'm not doing anything about it. I mean, it took me almost 15 years to become desperate yeah. enough. I just. Like, you know, you have a broken heart, but you don't want to deal with it. I just don't get that. But then painful. again, it is. And then, and then you know, I have to remember that. I'm like, oh, it is painful. But when they're ready, they that's will. temporary. Yeah, it is temporary. It's in fact, I didn't last that long. I mean, in hindsight, it's like, why didn't I do that sooner? I know it's going to hurt, but it's like a bandaid ripping off real quick. Yeah. When I finally gave my broken heart to the Lord, it was a very quick heal. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes you have a bunch of little ones that he, he works with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We all yeah. have tons and tons. We don't just have one broken heart. We have yeah. sometimes hundreds. If you have, of you're them. young enough, if you're listening, yeah. you're a young listener, you might only have one broken heart. Let's get deal with it now. That's so, true. <laughs> because one broken heart will lead to other broken hearts. Absolutely. And that's what I've learned is one broken heart leads to another broken heart leads to another it's one. It's like a domino effect. Exactly. So you got to stop the one broken heart so you can work on the other ones and then not have any more. And sometimes I'll have a situation like, Lord, is that going to break my heart? Because if it does, can we stop it now? Because I don't need that to break my heart. Yeah. When I'm talking to somebody, I can usually pinpoint right where their very first broken heart was. And it's normally at a very young age. Yeah, it is. And that's the one you have to fix first, because once you fix that big one, a lot of the others just kind of fall in. Exactly. Fall in line. Exactly. Yeah. I remember uh, I was talking to a young, a young, uh, young man. He was a um, teenager and, and uh, it didn't take me long because one day this kid was having trouble and Ray just looked at me and goes, all right, go get him. That's it. That's all he said. So I ran out because this kid had walked out of the service. So I ran after the kid in the service. So let's talk. Come on. What's going on? And it didn't take long before I could figure out exactly where his broken heart st- started. But he wouldn't admit it. He would not go there. He did get saved later. I don't know if he's really growing any because he never would deal with that broken heart. Mm-hmm. So it's, sometimes it's too hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Well, part of it, too, is he had to be humbled and admit that what he did was wrong. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to do no. that. Mm-mm. That's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. It is. You know, it really is. Especially yeah. if you don't grow up in yeah. a family teaching you how to apologize. Right. I didn't grow up in a family that taught us how to apologize. I had to learn how to apologize. Right. I didn't grow up in a family that taught us how to accept our mess, right? you know, and own it. I had to learn that the hard way. And then some of us learned how to apologize, but we just didn't know when to apologize and when not to. So we just apologize for everything just in case. Yeah. Okay. I might be a little guilty That's on you. that one. Yeah, That's you. <laughs> And so I've learned, because uh, German has two types of I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did it to you, and I'm sorry it happened to you. So now mm-hmm. I, I'm getting better. Somebody will say something like, oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, But yeah, sometimes I apologize for things. I don't. It might be my fault, just in case. But at work, they appreciate it because they know that if I did do something wrong, I'm going to go tell them, like, hey, look, 
I screwed that up. I'm sorry. Um, this is how we got to fix it. If I can fix it, great. If I can't fix it, then I'll tell the person, look, I'm so sorry you have to fix my screw up. But this is what happened. Yeah. I have never met anybody who got mad at me when I said I screwed up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not once. Even if it was a big screw up, it's like I shipped a shipment to India. I meant Indiana. Oh, <laughs> silly me now how did the how did the broker figure out where in indiana to put it when there was no texas with that zip code in india i don't know but i had to admit hey i shipped it to india instead of indiana but it's on its way back and they're like okay so what is your why are you standing here who cares right (laughs) i admitted it i didn't hide it so anyway anything before we get to the next um, this gets fun too. Yeah, okay, let's do it. All right, let's go. So, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 6. And his left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Um, a deep, deep, intimate relationship is what we're seeing here. All right. And what she is saying is, and like, remember, she's still imagining. This is what it's going to be like. Either be all in or don't even try it. That's why we always talk about courting instead of dating. Courting means, are we going to be work out? Could we be married? Could you be a potential spouse for me, a husband for me? Dating, I don't know. How do I? Dating is like going to the zoo and picking out what you want to feed that day. I don't know. I haven't ever really dated. Am I doing this? Help me here, Joanna. I never I dated two people my whole life. Um, I'm and not my the first, one to ask. Say, and my ex-husband really doesn't count because we never really truly went on a date. Yeah, I'm not the one to ask. I am going to be, I've always you, been a terrible date. Yeah, but that's what dater. I mean. But that's what I'm, I'm trying to get at. Why um, dating is different from courting and why you don't want to date. Um, I, I'm still not the one to ask. I'm, I don't even know the difference. Okay. D- like I said, I think dating is kind of like going to the zoo and picking out the critter you want that day. Whereas courting means, are we going to work out as a husband and wife? If we are, great. Let's continue. But if not, we need to just say, shake hands and move on. That's what they used to do. Uh, Yeah, they used to court. So what she's saying is, is don't even start it. All right. So kind of like. Oh, uh, dating also um, often leads to moving in together. Courting does not. Yeah, exactly. So. Don't be intimate with a boyfriend. I, I even go to say don't kiss or touch or anything because you're going to awaken something that you shouldn't be awakening. Don't do a Bible study either, ladies. The guy says, hey, let's Bible study. Don't Bible study. I have heard that one and I do agree with that. It creates an intimacy when you're Bible studying. Don't do that until you're married. Group setting is fine. I want to Bible study together with a group of people. Okay. But not a one-on-one. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I had a, somebody who mentioned that. I'm like, you know, I've never been there, but I can totally see it. I mean, I get it. So Is that what happened to them? I don't know. They never went into detail on that. Okay. I don't know if it's just because it was their experience working with youth or what. I didn't dare ask. Okay. I might nowadays, but back then I didn't. Um, so that's what we're saying is, you know, don't wake that up until you're married. All right. Um, because once it's waking up, you can't make it go back to sleep. And you're going to make mistakes in your next relationship. If you if you wake in that and it's not supposed to be awoken yet, you know, be all in or be all out. But that's why we recommend courting, meaning, hey, you're a great guy. Could, let's go over some coffee. Let's go out a few times. Is this going to work out in a marriage? You should figure it out within a month. 
You know what? Maybe courting, I'm still back to the, the original fine. question. Maybe courting has limits and dating might not. Yeah, that's true too. Courting should have limits. Yeah, like major, major, major lim- limits. Yeah. I think we've, we, because a lot of people think dating is just going out with a whole bunch of different people. I never liked that. Even when I was younger, I thought, that's so dumb. How are you not going to hurt somebody's feelings? I mean, unless mm-hmm. you make it clear up front to everybody, hey, we're going to go out, but I got a date with somebody else the next week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't so know. That the just... person asked. I, I, the only person that I have been with since 1995 was my ex husband. Yeah, but you went on a lot of dates, right? I would not call them dates. Anna. Okay, never I would mind. call them hookups. Oh, again, I'm not the right person. To ask. No, okay, ladies, we got nothing on this one. I just know that there is. We yeah, don't my have... background is not um, okay. pretty. We do not want to wait. wholesome. Okay. We don't, and I'm not a help because I never went yeah. on dates until I met Ray and and Stevie yeah. went on dates with us. So. That's what I'm saying. I'm not the one to ask. I do not have a wholesome past. Yeah, I mean, well, and it does yeah. not include dating, Anna. Sorry. All right. So the only one that I did date actually dated well other than my high school sweetheart was um was my you know what we didn't even actually date we went out on a few dates and we moved in together and okay there you Uh, wrote so anyway what we're trying to say is be careful you know if you're gonna go out i always tell my littlest niece this i always tell her one i don't care what your parents think of the boy (laughs) i have to meet him if i don't like him you can't go out with him i don't care if your parents like him or not that's the first thing oh, I tell her. You've pretty much told me the same yeah, thing. I've pretty much told you the same thing. And then the other one was, um, don't even worry about dating or having a boyfriend or a crush, because now the, the girls right now at her age are calling it a crush. Yeah. And she looked at me, she goes, Aunt Anna, don't worry. The only crush I have is on Jasper, my cat. Okay. I said, good. You should never have another crush again until you get out of high school. All right? No more crushes until after I had yeah. high school. And, I, and I'm trying to tell the girls, you know, that's because that's what they all talk about. I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't want to have that. Um, someone was telling me that their, uh, their little friend, uh, cause I talk to kids, kids walk up to me and I just talk to kids and, uh, they're talking about how their, um, little friend had, um, put on lipstick and kissed her Ken doll. Put on lipstick and what? Kissed her Ken doll. So I was like, you know, oh. I think I'm going to have a little chit chat. And, um, so I talked to our mutual friend and said, Hey, can you, you might want to mention to her, her mother what happened because this is, this is, <laughs> She's seen something that she shouldn't have seen. Yeah. She goes, yeah, I'll have yeah. a conversation. So be aware of that. Have those conversations. If you're a parent with young children or young daughters or something, sons, have that conversation with them. They don't need to worry about dating and hooking up or crushes until, they're, it's t- until they can get married. I personally believe in young marriage. I think younger people, our son was young when he got married. I think young marriages are great because they can grow together and they don't have all the temptations because they're married. You know? I don't see anything wrong no. with young marriage as long as it's... They're both believers in, in Jesus the God's Christ. Order. Yeah, they're believers in Jesus Christ and they have a way of, of living on their own, not with their parents, because mm-hmm. it says you're supposed to leave your parents. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about sometimes you have to move back because you've got things out of life that change. Um, our, our son and daughter-in-law lived with her parents shortly for a little while when he was transitioning with the military. And That's they, different. Yeah, and they had a bad apartment. That's very different. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, you, you can't do it at all. I mean, you might even need a little help at first. That's fine, too. Yeah. But... When you're, when it's time, think about marriage, not hooking up and dating is what we're saying. That's yeah. what she's saying here. That's what we're reading here is, um, cause she says, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Don't even go here until it's time. And it's not time until you're ready for marriage. Yeah. And guys, you're never going to be ready for marriage until you actually get married. 
And ladies, tell your. I'm not talking to the guys because we don't talk to guys. Ladies, when you talk to your young sons, you know, they're not going to be ready for marriage until they're married. That's why girls a lot of times are attracted to older men who are married because they've already been through the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing either. So I had a friend who got married and she goes, my husband's so immature. I'm like, but you've only been married a few months. It's going to take time. Well, it's been six months. Yeah, it might take years. Right. Okay. <laughs> it might take years. I will say, though, the next time that I get married, and I do believe I will be married because I believe that the Lord has told me. He's certainly told you that. No one told me. And um, that's what he's told me, too. I've just, anyway, um, I plan on doing it completely differently. I personally would like to do the courting thing. Yeah. And, and, and be very. Um, very godly about it. Yeah, which means it's not a, you know, two-year engagement with a three-year wedding plan, and it's not any of that. Now, my family isn't going to like it if I end up meeting somebody and then get married in six months, and I'm going to have to really work on explaining that one to them, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm going to say, this is what God wants, and we're all good. Yeah, So, but I'm going to do it very differently this yeah, time. Exactly, and that's what we're talking about here is, you know, it's supposed to be about a deep, meaningful relationship. And, uh, and in fact, um, the, the fun part is when it's a relationship with the Lord, he's embracing us because she says his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. And I was thinking about his right hand and I, and I remembered this passage in Isaiah forty one ten. fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And the, what I visioned was the Lord holding us tightly to his chest with his other hand out saying, you could get back. Because there's even other uh, scriptures where it talks, it talks about the right hand and making my enemies a footstool. Um, I just pictured God holding us with his left hand and his right hand out saying, I'm protecting you. I got you. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Any Any other any historical markers, rabbit trails we need to go down? No. We're not being funny on this one. Sorry, ladies. It's fairly serious matters, though. We've done some funny things, Anna. I don't know. I'm just trying to say. <laughs> but it is about relationships, and relationships yeah. are very... Our relationship cheapened. with Jesus is it's very, very imp- serious. Yes, yeah, it's very serious, very important, and society has cheapened relationships. And, yeah. and that really... To where they don't mean anything. Yeah, they really hurt me, and they bother me, and how cheap relationships are now. It's like, yeah. buy one, get a dozen free. Yeah. And it just bothers me. Which means to me that's not an actual relationship. It's not. And that's what we've yeah. done is we, we, we redefine what relationship yeah. means. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't want a committed relationship. We want a, you know, a temporary relationship. And the way Jesus talks about it and the way with, what God wants is a deep, intimate relationship that is committed. And we do have a throwaway society. Get a brand new car every other year. Get all these new toys. Get this new thing. Hey, we got another new what iPhone's at a number fourteen or something. You know, I have no idea. I got an eight. <laughs> I, I got an SE. <laughs> when you have a number on mine, I, I saw it on an ad. Something about a, a fourteen. I'm like, it's a throwaway society, and so we often throw away people. Oh, I don't like this person. Get rid of them. So, ladies, we take this very, very seriously because we don't want. If you're in a good relationship, if you've been in a bad relationship, we want you to take your new relationship and move forward. If you've been remarried or something like that, we want to make sure you can move forward and not stay in with bitterness. With a healed heart. Yeah, with a healed heart. We don't want you staying around with a bitter heart. So in Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8, the Shulamite um, 
is speaking. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He is looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke and he said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be like when Jesus comes gets us. Think about it. No more sin. The winter, the coldness is going to be gone. The floods will be gone. We're going to have all this beauty because the Lord came and got us and took us away from our sin. Our sin. That's what I look forward to most of the time. Going to heaven, I look forward to not sinning anymore. Right. <laughs> it's a constant daily battle yeah. not to sin. I'm looking for that time when we don't have to. Right. So anyway, she's still dreaming of the future. Um, and we do have a, a, a dream about. Let's try that again. Bitty, bitty. Yep. We have a future to dream about. We are to be prayer prepare for eternity. We don't talk about eternity enough. Have you ever heard? Churches don't talk about eternity enough. I mean, our church present excluded. Our mutual friend yeah. excluded. But for the most part, churches aren't talking about eternity. They're barely talking about Jesus returning, let alone eternity and what that means. Right. One of the neatest things about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the only thing I really, we actually watched a movie the other day about him, which was nice because it was basically um, talked about the parts of the book I didn't read. I tried to reading his book. God bless his heart. He was a brilliant man. The person who wrote it, wrote it brilliantly. And I just couldn't handle it anymore after 12 letter words. I, I checked it out twice and I just couldn't get through it. It was so long. So anyway, it was nice to watch it. But one of the things I do remember is that when he and his sister, he had a twin sister, and when they were five years old and they had to have separate rooms, they would bang on the door or on the wall to tell the other person, let's start thinking about eternity. They oh. would actually contemplate, what does eternity mean? And I'm like, that's a good question. What does it mean? No more sin. Right. No, no more thing, broken no bodies. bodies. No more pain. No more yeah. hitting the trash can in your head like I did this morning. I went to bend down to the trash, and I hit the lever, and it hit me in the head. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's not funny. It was like a cartoon. I actually <laughs> chuckled after I rubbed my head because it hurt, and I chuckled, and I looked at Ray. I'm like, is there a mark on my head? What happened? I told him. He, he tried so hard not to laugh. <laughs> nope, there's no mark. Uh, no more of that. Yeah, we each have our own list of things that we'll be glad to never have to deal exactly. with again. Yes. I can't wait. So anyway, we are looking forward to Jesus to return, to take his place that he prepared for us. And this is what we're reading here, this excitement. He is ready for his bride. Jesus is getting ready for his bride, the church. She is supposed to be listening for his voice, which is the, the trumpet. Uh, Revelation eighteen twenty three, the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants are the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. What that saying is, Jesus took us and the world won't have us anymore. They will be left alone. Because a little bit later, you get into Revelation 19, which is my favorite when we come back. But he's saying, you're not there. I took them home. Y'all don't get to find him anymore because he's excited to come get us. And that's what Jesus is excited about getting us. He's preparing a place for us for his return. Um, but I have to ask you is what, what do you want? What do you want Jesus to see when he returns? Joanna, what do you want Jesus to see when he returns? I want him to see me being all about him. Oh,
letting us share our tools to become the women God created us to be. If we encourage you today, visit us at moderndayabigails.com. Remember, you are loved, cherished, and prayed over. Oh, 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 o